to coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Standing by to help you tackle your home improvement project. We know there's one on your to-do list this week, and we'd like to move that over to our to-do list. We'll do it together. Pick up the phone. That's your first step. And dial us up at 888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974, or log on to moneypit.com and post your question in the community section. We have a very busy show planned for you this hour, starting with the topic of July 4th, which I can't believe is almost here. But before those picnics start, you don't want to get caught with a scraggly-looking backyard. We're going to have tips this hour on how to spruce up your landscape for a professionally landscaped look. And if you're celebrating the 4th on your deck, know that each year more than 20 million decks go unprotected because homeowners are afraid to stain them. It's just crazy. I know, right? It's like you can make it look so beautiful, and it's not that hard. We're going to help ease your fears, guys, and take the scary out of your staining project. Also this hour, the storms that have hit America's heartland this year have shown us how important it is to have a safe room. This old house general contractor, Tom Silva, will be along in just a bit to talk about how to build a safe room properly. And we're giving away a great prize today. It's a set of the new mechanics hand tools by DeWalt. It's a 204-piece set worth $240. And I got to tell you, they sent me one of these sets, which assures you initially that I have my own tools. I don't have to keep this set. We really will send this one out to you. (laughs) And secondly, I want to tell you, it's really a very, very well-made set of tools and one that you will have for a long, long time, the Mechanics Tools by DeWalt. So give us a call right now with your home improvement question. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? We've got Rob in Iowa, whose basement walls seem to be um, coming in on themselves. What is going on at your Money Pit? I've got uh, some some basement walls that are heaving in, and uh, I need to... I need a permanent solution that's not going to bankrupt me. Okay. Um, basically, what I've got is I've got some some wall anchors that have been installed about uh, seven years ago. Uh, I've been keeping those tight, and the walls are still heaving in. We had a, a drought here in Iowa last summer, and this year we've had quite a bit of rain. So uh, walls are, are bowing in up to two inches in places. I'm wow. a little worried. Yeah, if your walls are bowed in two inches, Rob, unfortunately, you've got a very serious problem on your hands that is not only impacting the structure of your home, but also the value of your home. And if the walls have gotten that bad, you know, we are well beyond the do-it-yourself fix stage. I can provide you some basic information about why this might be happening. Generally, the reason walls will heave is because you get a lot of water that collects around the foundation perimeter, especially if you don't have terrific drainage. If the drainage is flat, if the gutters are dumping near the corners of the foundation, which is where most gutter contractors leave them, that water collects into the soil, and in the wintertime it freezes, expands, and then slowly but surely sort of ratchets that wall out. Now, if yours have gone to the point where they're two inches out of plumb, this is a problem. So the way I would address this, and I would I would do it very specifically and very strategically, is, is as follows. I would retain a structural engineer to examine the problem and specify a repair. It's very important that you just don't call a contractor for this because if they don't have the pedigree of, a, of an engineering degree, it's not going to hold water when it comes time to sell your house. So I would hire an engineer to analyze the problem and design the solution. And you could talk cost concerns with your engineer and options and, and all of that. Once you have that plan in place, at that point in time, you can make the decision to, 
as to whether or not you're going to do it yourself, which may be more possible with the plan than, than not, uh, or whether or not you're going to hire a pro. But however you get it done, the third and most important final step is to have the engineer come back and examine the work and then give you an additional letter that says, yes, I, you know, I, I identified this problem and I designed the fix and I inspected the fix and it's done correctly and there's like nothing further to worry about. Because ultimately, if you go to sell your house, the buyers are going to bring up this issue. You want to have that sort of pedigree in your hand so that you can prove that it was a repair that, yes, was structural in nature, but was repaired correctly. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a very interesting approach. I have one kink to throw at you, and that is uh, the wall anchor system that's installed was warrantied, and uh, the owner of that company came out and said that, you know, he'll warranty the system, and he's willing to put in, like, three more anchors, which, in my mind, is an admission of liability. Um, do I do I let him do that, or do I need to get the structural engineer first? Um, is this wall anchor contractor a structural engineer? I doubt it. Stop the repair process. Get the engineer if the engineer thinks that's a good idea, then that's a different story. But um, warrantying doesn't necessarily mean we put more in. If 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 the product failed and your walls continued to bow as a result, then um, you know his liability, depending on where these walls were when he first put the system in and guaranteed that they were going to stop the, the walls from buckling in, you know his 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 liability could be significant. Uh, but I would get the engineer in first. And let's get some good impartial expert advice here from somebody that does not have um, a, a system to sell you. I don't want you to get advice from somebody. Sometimes contractors give you advice from pe- people that uh, you know, because they sell the system. Yeah, you know, I, you got a problem. I'm just the guy to fix it for you. You know, and that's not really good expert in, independent advice. So go to the engineer first, Rob, and then you can deal with the contractor issue after you have the information. Okay. Thank you. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, it's the big weekend before the 4th of July week, I guess you could call it. Are you lucky enough to have the whole week off? Maybe you're going to have lots of barbecues and parties. Well, let's get your Money Pit in tip-top shape. We're here to help you get everything in order. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, it's very easy for bushes to go from ornamental to totally out of control. We're going to help you perfect the pruning after this. Uh, I'll take a wasteful as money, 1000 This phrase for a house that keeps needing costly repairs is also the name of a home improvement radio show. Alex. What is a money pit? Good. The Money Pit is brought to you by DeWalt. DeWalt's new rugged and innovative line of mechanics tools are so tough DeWalt is proud to back them with a full lifetime warranty. When there's a tough job to get done, rely on a trusted name. Rely on DeWalt. Available at Sears. For more information, visit DeWalt.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Taking your calls right now at 888 Money Pit. And in fact, one caller 
who makes it on the air this hour, is going to win a 204-piece mechanics tool set from DeWalt. Now, these tools are loved by both pros and DIYers, and believe me, you don't have to be a mechanic to use them. They have a non-slip grip ratchet set, and these are great for tightening your deck boards in those tight spaces where they meet the joists. The set is worth $240, and you can check it out at DeWalt.com, or call us right now at 888-MONEY-PIT for your chance to win. You've got to have a home improvement question. We will toss your name into the Money Pit hard hat, and one of our callers this hour is going to win that DeWalt Mechanics tool set. Now we've got Lorraine from Vermont on the line, who's got some ants invading her money pit. How can we help you today? I have them out in my flower beds. I have them on my front and back lawn. There's a lot of uh, sand here around my house. Right. And I am wondering what I could do to get rid of them. Are they getting into the house as well? No, they are not in the house. All right. Well, that's good news. So look, There are ways that you can work with this using sort of over-the-counter products, but I would recommend a different direction. The insecticides today have become so sophisticated and so accurate and so able to target specifically the insect that you're dealing with that it's really worthwhile having a professional apply these insecticides. One in particular that actually we just used at my mom's house Well, not we. I mean, I hired somebody to do this. It's called Termidor, T-E-R-M-I-D-O-R. And I'm very familiar with this insecticide because it's one that uh, is a part of a class called an an undetectable. So the way it works is, in the old days, we'd spray insecticides that would repel the ants or kill them on, on site, and they would sort of know it was there, so it was detectable. Well, these new insecticides are undetectable. So as a result, the ants go through the insecticide, and then they get it on their bodies, and they bring it back to the nest, and then they share it with the other insects in the nest. So just getting some ants to go through it basically takes it back to the nest and wipes out the whole nest. So it's a very effective way to try to control the ant populations uh, around your house. Now, I don't know that I would go so far as to do it in my whole yard unless it was, you know, really bothering me. But generally you do this right around your, your, the perimeter of your home to try to minimize them in that area and stop them from potentially going into the house. You haven't seen them yet, but if you've got that many, I, I can almost guarantee that they're in the house. All right, Lorraine, does that help you out? That does. I actually tried. Someone had told me to use borax and Sugar? Yeah, uh, that's, you know, one of the home remedies that I mentioned. And Borax does work, but it's just not nearly as effective as a product like Termidor. Good luck with the project. Thank you so much. Well, it's time now for our project of the week brought to you by Sacrete. And today we're going to talk to you about how to tame your bushes. Now, bushes and shrubs, they can really add a lot of charm to your outdoor space, but they can quickly turn your home into a wily jungle if you just don't know how to prune them. Now, we know it can be scary to cut on your favorite plants, but here are some quick guidelines to follow that will keep them lush. Well, the first step is that you want to cut away any dead or dying branches. Now, make sure you bag them or get them off the roots of the plant. Next, resist the urge to grab your head shears and chop off the top of all the stray branches that stick out. My son, bless his heart, tried to trim our bushes last summer and did that, and it took me half of the remaining summer to save them from dying. Because once you cut all of those leaves, so to speak, on the bushes away, well, there's nothing left to hold the water. And, of course, that's when the drought happened and we were in big trouble. But we did save them, so don't make that mistake. Now, 
actually, if you cut those stragglers off, they will grow taller if you've got a lot of rain happening. So just not the right technique. They've got to be clipped from the bottom. You want to clip them just above where they shoot off the main branch. Now, if your bush is super dense and it's sort of denying light getting to the inside of the bush to promote growth, what you want to do then is thin it out. And this is a trick the trade that I actually learned from my friend Roger Cook from this old house. What you do is strategically trim out a section of the bush every foot or two. And so you're going to look at the bushes when you're done and say, I just put a bunch of holes in my bushes. But the thing is, once the light gets in there, they actually start to grow again and they fill out quite nicely and they're much healthier as a result. Mm -hmm. You know what? If you follow these tips, you're really going to have your pruning down to a science. And that's this week's Project of the Week presented by Sacrete. And as you plan your outdoor projects, be sure to visit Sacrete.com for any of your concrete, stucco, or masonry needs. 888-666-3974. Charlie in Tennessee is on the line and looking to do some renovating at his money pit. How can we help you today? I have a small kitchen that I'm trying to knock out the wall to increase space uh, uh, to make my kitchen and my dining room one big room. Uh, my dilemma is the fact that I don't know whether the wall that I'm knocking down is a low-bearing wall or not. Well, step away from the project and don't knock it down just yet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, well, first of all, what kind of house do you have, Charlie? Is it a ranch? Is it a colonial? Describe it to us. It's um, it's a wood frame home. Okay, one story or two? One story. And the roof peaks in the middle, goes up from the front, goes up from the back, peaks in the middle? Kind of, it's L-shaped. Okay. And where the, where the wall would be would be pretty much right where the two meet. Yeah, so you're in the middle there. You're not quite sure. And the dining room and the kitchen are side by side. Is it um, is it aligned front to back on the house, or is it aligned end to end, so to speak? Uh, it's, it would be, that, that wall would be parallel for uh, the front to back. So it's aligned front to back. Okay. I would say that, that in most cases, that is a bearing wall. That it doesn't mean you're dead in the water. It just means it's a little more complicated for you to open this up. Because... If it's a bearing wall, you have to support the structure while it's disassembled, and then you have to put a new beam in to carry that load in the new open plan design. It's not something that you would do yourself. It's not like, I don't want you to like, hey, I've never done home improvement, but today I'm thinking about tearing on a bearing wall. Bad idea, okay? So you need right. to know what you're doing or get some people to help you to know what you're doing or hire a pro and get a building permit. And basically the way it works is temporary walls are built on either side of the bearing wall, and this holds up the structure that they're supposed to be holding. Then the bearing wall is taken apart. Um, the bearing wall is reconstructed, but now you would use a girder, and it could be a wood girder, it could be a metal girder, it could be a combination wood and metal girder that goes the whole span. It could be a girder that um, sits below the ceiling, or it could be a girder that's actually flush with the ceiling, so when it's all done, it's it's invisible. But one way or the other, you'll need this beam to carry the load above that. And then once it's all put it back together, you know, you're really not going to know that it's there. But you just got to do it right so that you don't damage your house in the process, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Ruth and Georgia, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I have, it's on the inside of my house. I have redwood stain, and I have a white film. I've used furniture polish and got it off thinking that took care of it, but it's back again. Where is the stain? Is it trim work? Is it? It's it's the banister, and the doors. And you have redwood stain on these areas. Yes, it's a redwood stain on it. Well, if it's trim work and banisters, doesn't it have a finish coat on it, like a polyurethane? No, it does not. Typically, 
for banisters and trim, you would use the stain first, and you would have a clear coat on top of that. No, it does not have that. So is it fairly rough to the touch then? Uh, yes, it is. So what I would do then, because the, the stain is not designed to be the finished coat. Stain is designed to be covered with the urethane. So I would do this, and I would do this in an experimental way to start with. I would clean it again, make sure it's nice and dry, and then I would seal it or, or uh, urethane it. And I think on the trim, you could use water-based urethane, get a quart of it, and it goes on real thin. It dries very quick, and it will seal in that stain and see if that protects it in the way you expect it to behave because stain is really just designed to color the wood and make the grain come out. It's the urethane that gives you the wear and tear protection. I appreciate your help. Joe in California is on the line with a leaky chimney. Tell us what's going on. Well, it's an old one from the 60s, I believe, but it was beautifully built. It's like 15 foot wide and two stories up and, you know, I'm on the second story. But it's, uh, the, the water's going through the mortar coming in, and it's terrible. It's like a waterfall in the wintertime. <laughs> so you say the water's coming through the mortar. Do you know uh, for a fact that it's coming through in a particular place? Because generally when chimneys leak, there's two areas that we concentrate on. The first is the very top of the chimney. And if it's a masonry chimney, you probably have a clay flue liner. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Right. And then so the space between the clay flue liner and the outside edge of the brick chimney that has to have a concrete cap on it, and that should be sloped away from the flue liner to the outside edge. It can't have any cracks or holes or gaps in it, and very often you have to caulk it if that does develop around the flue liner as well as through the, the, the cracks. The second place that chimneys typically leak is at their intersection with roofs. And unfortunately, roofers have almost universally lost uh, the skill set that would have uh, – would, would, that would have enabled them to be able to flash this joint properly between the chimney and the roof because the proper way to do this is with a two-piece flashing system where you have a base flashing that goes underneath the roof shingle and up against the side of the chimney. Then counter flashing, which is carved into the mortar joint, folds over the outside edge of the chimney and also over the base flashing. And the reason that sort of two-piece design is important is because chimneys are always moving and roofs are always moving and they don't move together. And so this is sort of a, um, a slip joint, so to speak, where they can actually move and shift with the wind and the heat and the rain and the expansion and contraction without actually breaking down. So I would look at those two areas, and I'll just give you one other tip. If you have a roof where there's a lot of water running down before it hits the base of the chimney, in a situation like that, what you want to do is put a diverter um, on the roof midway to kind of short-circuit some of the water that's running down towards the chimney and run it around the chimney, and that will just simply re uh, reduce the volume of water that's getting in there and potentially leaking through into your house. Uh, this has got a flat metal top over the top of the chimney, you know, that Mostly keep the rain from coming down the chimney, but right. I haven't really looked at the flue liner up there. I, that's a good point. Yep. Take a careful look, Joe, okay? Okay. All righty. Thank you very much. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, the devastating tornadoes that have happened this year really have proved to us that safe rooms do work. Tom Silva, the general contractor on this old house, is going to be joining us to talk about how you can build one after this. On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888-MONEY-PIT. Money Pit. 
making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And the fourth is prime grilling season, but it's also time to keep that grill safe. On MoneyPit.com, we are featuring seven grilling mistakes to avoid. Check it out, and you'll have a safe and delicious grilling season ahead. Carl in Texas, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? We're leasing a house, and... uh We've been in the house now for almost three years and uh, getting to the point of trying to decide, should this be the house we buy or uh, should we be looking elsewhere? And uh, the owner has uh, indicated that he'd be interested in selling. But (laughs) one of the nice things about leasing a house is you find out about all of its good things and all of its not-so-good things. Um, Yeah, you get to kick the tires. Yeah. And uh, the house was built in uh, the mid-90s, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's got a few other things that a house that age would have, you know, uh, but one of the things that concerned us is that we noticed that in the master bath, it's got tile on the floor, and when you start walking on the floor, you can almost hear the tile crunching underneath your feet. Right. The tile doesn't actually move. Um, but uh, you also feel a rise, sort of, at certain yeah. spots. Sounds loose. Well, look, I, I don't think that's unusual with vinyl tile. It's vinyl tile, is that what you said? It's ceramic tile. Oh, it's ceramic tile. Well, okay, first of all, I don't feel it's all that unusual with ceramic tile. It may not have been put down properly. I don't think it necessarily means that the house is moving. It probably points more accurately to a defect in the installation itself. But what you should absolutely do before you consider going further on this house is have a professional home inspector look at it. Because a home inspection that's done consistent with the standards of practice of the American Society of Home Inspectors is going to look at those structural issues, look at the mechanical issues, and trust me, find things that even living in that house that you are completely unaware of. Okay. And that's the best way to kind of know what you're getting into and be able to negotiate from a position of strength and knowledge. Sure, sure. All right. Thank you. We'll, uh, we'll find what we happen to know a few in, in town here, and we'll give a guy a call. Good luck, Carl. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, you've seen the devastating images on television, or maybe you've been a victim yourself. Severe weather can turn your life upside down and put you and your family at risk of some pretty serious injury. That's right. But preparing for storms like tornadoes or hurricanes can mean the difference between life and death. And one way to do that is by building a safe room, which is a kind of a special room located in or around your home that's specifically designed to protect you from the worst that Mother Nature may have to offer. This old house general contractor, Tom Silva, is here to tell us more. Welcome, Tom. Hi, guys. How are you? We are great. Now, you guys had something happen to you during one of your recent projects, your Providence project. You actually had a hurricane blow. Through. Yeah, our last project in Rhode Island was on the edge of the water by the ocean there, and it gets pretty windy. And we did have a hurricane come through. It didn't blow as bad as we expected, but we had to batten down the hatches to uh, protect the building from blowing away. And that's really a reminder that this type of weather can happen anywhere in the country, you know, even in unusual circumstances like that. Anywhere at all. <laughs> 
So when it comes to being prepared for those sorts of storms, Tom, I think people tend to think that a basement is always the best thing to do, but that's not always true, is it? Well, it's not always true. A lot of people don't have basements. A lot of houses are slabs, or some people live in mobile homes where they're up off the ground. And I guess the roof structure, I mean, the floor structure could be easily torn right off and open you right up, basically Exactly. Not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the best place in a basement, for example, is in the corner of a foundation, but you got to still ride it out, hope for the best. So I guess a safe room has really sort of taken over for the term storm shelter. It's sort of like a one word usage now for an area that you might go to in the event of an emergency in the home or a weather related situation. Mm-hmm. A room that's really structured well, you know, like a lot of people go to bathrooms in the center of the house. And again, I mean, if you look at some of the devastations that happens from hurricanes or tornadoes, the houses are blown away, or the roofs are taken off, and some people are really lucky. Well, bathtubs have gotten a lot smaller over the years, too. <laughs> uh, well, well, I've gotten a lot bigger, too. <laughs> So, Tommy, when it comes to deciding where in your home would make the best place for a safe room, I mean, is there one room that's better than the other for choosing? I like to think that corners are the strongest parts of the house. So a bathroom with four small corners is much Mm -hmm. better than a family room with a wide open space. So you want to find a nice, tight space with four corners. And I think it's important to note that these rooms don't have to be standalone rooms. They really could be worked into any design. So you could have, for example, a master bedroom closet. That's your safe room, correct? Absolutely. The master bedroom closet, most of them are bigger than bathrooms, but uh, <laughs> they're reinforced with shelving and everything else. So, I mean, that reinforces the part of the structure. That's yeah, helped. but they don't have as many seats. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and important seats. Right, right. Tom, let's talk about the cost of safe rooms. They're not inexpensive, are they? No, they're not inexpensive because there's a lot of work involved to make them strong. But there is federal help available, and FEMA.gov is a place to go to find that out, too. Yeah, good point. That's the Federal Emergency Management Agency website at FEMA.gov. Lots of resources right there. And, Tom Silva, you are a tremendous resource. Thanks so much for filling us in on what it takes to create a safe room. Tom Silva, the general contractor from TV's This Old House. Thanks for stopping by the Money Pit. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. All right, you can catch the current season of This Old House and ask This Old House on PB. For local listings and step-by-step videos of a ton of common home improvement projects, check out their website, thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House and Ask This Old House are brought to you by GMC. GMC, we are professional grade. Up next, it seems homeowners are more afraid of a staining project than a painting project. Guess what? Staining is actually easier. We're going to explain why after this. You live in a body paint. It is brought to you by DeWalt. DeWalt's new rugged and innovative line of mechanics tools are so tough, DeWalt is proud to back them with a full lifetime warranty. When there's a tough job to get done, rely on a trusted name. Rely on DeWalt. Available at Sears. For more information, visit DeWalt.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where home solutions live. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we here at Team Money Pit are answering your home improvement questions at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. And one of you lucky callers are going to be drawn at random from the Money Pit hard hat. And you're really going to get a great prize that you will put to much use. We've got from DeWalt a 204-piece mechanics tool set. Now, what this really is is an awesome ratchet set. And it's got a great laser etching marker 
marking on each of the sockets so that you can actually see what size you need and grabbing and you're not just blindly testing out every one to see if it works for your project. So that is hugely helpful. And the set's worth 240 bucks. And Tom loves his. Yeah, you can check them out at DeWalt.com. Be sure to call us at 888 Pit right now for the answer to your home improvement question and your chance to win. Tracy in Texas is on the line and needs some help with a universal design project. Tell us what you're working on. I have a daughter who's 21 years old, and we need some help when it comes to bathing her. We're looking at doing a bathroom addition onto her room, but we don't even know really how to get started. Do we need to consult with an architect on the design advice? Uh, She's homebound, medically fragile, 100% disabled, and we just are looking at Uh, some advice on how to even get started to meet her needs so that we only have to do this one time. Is a tub situation easier for you or is a shower? Uh, Probably a shower. Okay, because there are the tubs with the doors that open. It depends on how difficult it would be to sort of move her from chair to seated tub position. You know, it just depends on how comfortable you are with the bathing situation if you want to get in there and get wet. But Tom and I have actually done a lot of work with Universal Design and are quite familiar with some of the processes. Well, that's right. And I do think it's a good idea to use a certified kitchen and bath designer. And that's somebody who's going to be specializing in Universal Design. You're going to ask specifically for someone that has that that talent because they're going to be up to speed on the best products that are out there for your particular situation and be able to recommend appropriately. Uh, And you're going to get a bathroom that actually looks nice and functions well for you. I would not, would not call a standard remodeling contractor because the remodeling contractor will say, yeah, I understand. I know what to do. And you know what? They just don't because it's very specialized. In fact, some years ago, Leslie, didn't the AARP have a special certification program for uh, contractors and architects? Uh, that, that were working with universal design situations? They did. It was through um, the Home Builders Association, and they had a special course that you could take to become certified as you know, a universal design specialist. So you might want to start with the AARP's website just to find some recommendations of folks in your area who are certified. I believe it was called the CAPS. Um, certified aging in place specialist program. And, um, you know, even though that's not necessarily your need, it has similar associations. Um, So you might want to start there as far as just trying to find somebody who can help you find the right products because you want something that looks good. You don't want it to feel like a hospital. You want it to function and you want it to be done right the first time. They have a lot of resources for universal design, probably the best collection anywhere online is on the AARP website. You simply click on the home and family section and then home improvement and uh, you'll find a lot there. They also have a section on livable communities because the you know universal design just makes sense for folks of any age. Whether you are a senior citizen, whether you are disabled or whether you're just a mom that comes home with her arms full of like grocery bags and needs to pop open a door with her elbow because she can't really turn a doorknob. You know, there's tips like that that really make it so much easier for you to live comfortably in your house, regardless of age or physical condition. So I would start there as well. But make sure you work with people that are experienced in universal design. There are lots and lots of people out there. You just got to find them, okay? Great. Thank you so much for your help. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Chris in Colorado's on the line dealing with some bathroom mold. Tell us about it. Well, I have tenants living in a rental of mine. And as it turns out, I think there were several people using the shower downstairs, and subsequently we've got a lot of mold on the walls. Um, They're taken off here at the end of July, and I want to go in there and completely take all that mold out of there. 
and paint it or put something in place to try and help prevent that from happening again. What can I do? Okay, now where are you seeing this mold? Is it strictly like on the caulk? Is it on the ceiling? On the walls. Just right around the shower. And what is your bathroom venting situation? Do you have a vent fan? Is it just a window? There's no window. There is a vent. However, I think the vent fan could probably be replaced. I'm not... I think the last time I checked it, it was working, but it was somewhat weak. Now, that's that's the big cause of your problem there is the venting situation. So first off, let's get rid of the mold. You're going to want to clean your ceiling with a bleach and water solution. Be very careful, obviously, because you're working overhead. But you want to just do that to kill the mold spores and get rid of what's already up there. Once that's done and it's dry, then I say prime the ceiling, the walls with a, you know, a really good quality primer like a Kills or like, you know, one of those Benzinzer primers. Prime everything and then go ahead and paint everything and replace that vent fan. You want to get something, you know, that's really powerful, that's properly vented to the exterior and you might want to because it's a tenant situation and it's not somebody that you can sort of be on top of to make sure they're putting it on and there's no window you may want to have it installed with an occupancy sensor so that when someone walks into the bathroom it triggers that vent fan to come on it'll run while they're in there and then after they leave it's set to stay on for you know 10-15 minutes Um, this way when they've showered and have opened the door that's when you get that high points of condensation because you've got that moist air from the shower and it's warm and then you get the cool air from opening the door and then suddenly you get condensation on every surface so that could be the best plan of attack especially since you know these are people that you know you're renting to Terrific. Well, thank you so much for your help. You're very welcome, Chris. <laughs> Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Do you hear the theme to the Twilight Zone? <laughs> you know, when you're starting to think about staining your deck, like, I can't do that. No way. Not that hard. It really isn't. But you know what? You're not alone. A ton of people really are afraid to tackle deck staining as a do it yourself project. Well, don't be afraid to pick up that staining brush and get to work. We're going to have tips to make it easier after this. The Money Pit is brought to you by Lutron's new Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switch. Never ask, who left the lights on again? Starting at around $20, this motion-sensing light switch turns the lights on automatically when you walk into a room and off when you leave and works with all types of light bulbs. Learn more at LutronSensors.com. Where home solutions live, welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, here's a pretty surprising home improvement statistic we came across. Every year, more than 20 million decks go unprotected. We're talking about decks that are not stained, that are not sealed. They're basically out there wearing away. And the reason is because homeowners are intimidated by staining projects. Yeah, but you know, I think it's important to remember that the fact is it's easier to stain than paint. And it's the single best way to protect your wood deck for decades to come. So here to tell us more about stains and staining is Russ Neal from Cabot. Welcome, Russ. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. That's a really uh, fascinating number. I think that folks that, especially those that purchase pressure-treated decks, Russ, they think that because they purchased a pressure-treated deck that they're protected because everyone knows that pressure-treated lumber doesn't rot, or at least not for, for you know 20 or 30 years. 
But while it doesn't rot, the sun can really do quite a bit of damage and make that deck almost unusable and certainly dangerous from the splintering and that sort of thing. That alone is a good reason to protect your deck, correct? You are absolutely right. Uh, just like uh, we worry about the sun with our own bodies and with UV protection, our, our exterior wood needs that protection as well. We all see what happens with the, the long-term sun just beating down on that wood with it graying and turning the, soft, the, the top layers very soft, causing them to kind of peel away and degrade over time. Protecting from the sun is a key need of exterior wood. Now, when it comes to protecting decks, we have options in stains uh, and other types of, of clear finishes. I think that folks get confused about the difference between stains and paint. Can you give us Cabot's perspective on that? I certainly can. The easiest way to think about it is that a stain goes into the wood, whereas a paint is on top of the wood. Paints tend to form a film that covers, while a stain gets in and nurtures those wood fibers. Uh, with exterior wood, think about a deck, for instance, uh, you're walking on it, potentially dragging furniture. If you've got pets, the, their, their paws and claws may be going across there. If you've got a film across that, uh, that surface, uh, those abrasions can break into that film, allow water to get underneath it, and over time cause that to peel away, and then you're, you're kind of worse than when you started. With the stain penetrated into the wood surface, uh, the protection is, is deep into the wood. Now, when you're applying a stain, I mean, is the best sort of scenario fresh new wood? Or are you looking at a situation where if you've got paint on there, stain is an option, but you've got to take some steps to prep that decking for it? You need to take some steps to prepare the wood, regardless of whether it's it's brand new, just installed, or whether it's been previously coated. Uh, the easiest, uh, most basic way of getting after this, you need to give it a good cleaning. Even brand new wood may have some kind of mold, mildew, or algae kind of growing on it. Even if you can't see it, it's always a best practice to give that a good cleaning. Get any of those unwanted growing things off of your surface so that you truly are starting fresh. If it has been previously coated, it's important that you get that coating ready to take a sound, uh, get down to a sound wood surface so that your stain can penetrate into that wood and give you that long-lasting protection that you need. Great advice. Russ Neal from Cabot, thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit and giving us some really good, solid advice on how to go about taking care of our decks and other wood surfaces with Cabot this season. Leslie Tom, thank you so much for having me. See, it's not so bad. No more excuses, guys. Get on those deck staining projects. The 4th of July is days away. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. The show continues online at moneypit.com. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.